A B C D E F G H I J K L M N O P Q R S T Guten Tag and welcome to PQRST episode 50-something first, maybe? I know we had episode 50 recently. And uh, kicked off with my take on John Williams' fantastic Indiana Jones theme. For good reason, I got to dress up as Indiana Jones this week and uh, tell a story in front of several hundred children. Because it was VBS week at Waterstone Community Church where I happened to attend. And in the past four or five or six or seven years, I've lost count, uh, I have been able to help make the videos that the kids get to see the four days of VBS, and that this year was no exception. In fact, we were shooting video right up until last Friday when uh, VBS was this week, and uh, hopefully in future we don't film into June, because last Friday and then Saturday got a little crazy as I attempted, and successfully, as it turned out, to finish VBS videos in time while still filming three dance recitals on Saturday. So Saturday was crazy. Uh, 19 straight hours of work, I believe, because I woke up at 3.30, started thinking, and I was like, oh, I should get up and do some work. And then it just never stopped until about 10.30 that night. But anyway, videos got done, and for the first time ever, I got to see the videos play out with the kids watching, because in addition to making the videos and telling a story, which I will get to, I was also a small group leader. And so I ushered 16 fifth and sixth graders uh, through small group time and to games and to crafts and to the uh, bug cave upstairs in what is normally the fifth and sixth grade room where we got to see puppet shows and videos and quite a lot of pageantry. Um, And it was very, very well done. And I had a feeling that it was very well done, but it was fun to see things live, and one of the fun things that uh, Elsa does, uh, Elsa Wolf, who runs the bridge room and is, I think, responsible for the videos for uh, for VBS, yeah, VBS every year, Um, she, I'm going to tell you a secret, don't tell anybody under the age of 12, she dresses up as her own sister, doesn't really have, well, I think she does have a real sister, but this, the sister she dresses up as, Mary Ethel Subob, there's a wig and there's some false teeth. And, and anyway, Mary Ethel is the uh, comic foil behind the videos, the one who does the interviews, the on-the-spot reporter, gets into all the scrapes. And Elsa, as herself, talks to Mary Ethel on the screen. And occasionally we have filmed a shot, and it's always a steady shot, where Elsa is on screen and talking to herself as Mary Ethel. And far as I know, the little kids, much like with Santa Claus, totally buy it. The older kids were surprising me because I had 5th and 6th graders, and Wednesday, after the video where there was three separate times where Elsa was talking to herself, I listened, overheard, I wasn't really part of the conversation, overheard two of my 6th graders asking each other, so is Mary Ethel Subop real? I mean, I don't know, I think it was Photoshop, but maybe, I mean, and yesterday... One of the kids actually came right up to me, one of the sixth graders, like, so is Mary Ethel real? And uh, the fact that even 11 and 12-year-olds still aren't sure tells me we are definitely doing our job. And uh, the, the VBS theme this year was superheroes, so I was extra excited to be part of that. Uh, as small group leader, 
the first three days I wore my Karate Kid headband. Not exactly a superhero, but if I'm gonna be getting all sweaty, which I pretty much did, it was nice to have uh, something wicking the moisture out of my eyes and also be at least sort of related to being a superhero. And then I said, uh, Indiana Jones. Well, besides the videos, well before I uh, got the call that, hey, we're low on small group leaders, could you jump in? I was asked to tell a story. And the story that I was assigned, and this was for Wednesday's uh, worship time, was the story of Gideon. And uh, there was an official script, and I looked at the official script basically for the first 30 seconds of what I was going to do, and for the last 30 seconds, just to know how I could get in and out of the story. And then I put the script away. Um, and not, hopefully not in any sort of arrogant way. I know the story of Gideon. I'm very fond of that story. And so when the whole thing was assigned, a good a month and a half ago, I think it was, um, I, like I said, I looked at the script briefly, put it away, said, all right, this is how I want to tell the story. And actually, you know, practiced it a couple times, recorded myself telling the story and put it on YouTube and sent the link to Jenna, who was in charge of the story, just to say, hey, am I on the right track? Because I'm not here to say, I'm going to do it my way no matter what. I, I do like to take a stab at things. But if Jenna had come back and said, wow, thank you, you really need to look at the script, I would look at the script and follow the script and no problem. But it uh, turned out what I was doing was uh, was working. So and I also got permission to do it dressed like Indiana Jones because it's Superheroes Week. Um, as it turned out, of the four storytellers, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I was the only one who was dressed up. If I had known that, I might have toned it back, but nobody told me, and they said the costume was fine. So I did my story dressed like Indiana Jones. Got to tell about Gideon, about how God is the one that wins the battle. And uh, it's in Judges chapters 6 and 7, and I would say go find a Bible and read it, but I can actually I can actually do one better because uh, Josh and Janelle, who were uh, basically the AV monkeys during the week and did a fantastic job, they both separately recorded what I did, and so you get to hear it right now. Will, and real quick, Wild Whirlwinds! And that's my small group over there, and I am so excited that I get to tell you today's story. And today's story is from my favorite book of all time, the Bible. So it's found in Judges chapter 6 and 7. And let me set the stage for you. At this time, the Israelites, God's chosen people, they had long been in the promised land, and they had kind of forgotten about God. They'd walked away from God. And so God allowed their neighbors, the Midianites, to come in and take over. It's like if we woke up tomorrow and Canada decided they wanted to take over the U.S., and they all got put on their Mountie uniforms and got on their horses and rode down here and force-fed us maple syrup, made us do what they wanted. That's what was going on in Israel. The Midianites were eating the Israelites' lunch. And so we find our hero, Gideon, doing his daily work. He was threshing wheat in a wine press. He was hiding in a small room because if the Midianites found him, they would mess him up. And then, just this random Thursday, Gideon's doing his work. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, it's Judges chapter 6, and says, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Now, if an angel appeared to me and said that, I would be super excited. Gideon was not so excited. Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? 
Where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers told us about? The Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the angel said unto Gideon, Fear not, the Lord has heard your prayers, and he has chosen you to save Israel. Can you imagine the angel of the Lord coming and saying, You right there, you have been chosen to save your entire country. Here's what Gideon responded. Are you kidding me? I am the least in my family, and my family is the least in all of Israel. Basically, Gideon is saying, you could go outside and spin around 10 times and point, and whoever that lands on is a better choice than me. Anybody would be better than me. And the interesting thing is, God does not contradict Gideon here. He doesn't say, no, 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 you're great. Don't say that about yourself. No, the angel says, nevertheless, God has chosen you. So if you're out there and somebody calling themselves the least of these kind of resonates with you, please pay attention. So Gideon, God does some amazing things with Gideon in chapter 6 to prove, to show to him, I'm really with you and we're going to go to battle. And so God says, I want you to gather up the Israelite men and go into battle against the Midianites. Now the Midianites had an army and we have a visual. So each one of these hundred army men represents a thousand Midianites. There were a hundred thousand bad guys. That is a very big army. But God said, Gideon, you gather an army. And so Gideon went on Facebook, just seeing if you're paying attention. There was no Facebook back then, but he did send an email. Dear Israelites, we're going to go to battle. Meet me in the meadow tomorrow. Smiley face. Sent it. The next day dawned, and 30,000 Israelite men showed up. 30,000 Israelites, 100,000 Midianites. Three to one odds as far as battle goes. Not great but not impossible. But this is where it gets interesting because God said, Gideon, come here, I need to talk to you. So Gideon goes over to talk to God. God says, listen, Gideon, that's too many men. If you go into battle now and you win, people will say, Gideon won the battle. And this is my battle, so I need some of them to go away. Here's the plan. And he told Gideon the plan. Gideon goes back and he talks to the men. He's like, okay guys, Here's the thing, God says there's too many of you, so I'm gonna turn around and count to 10. Anybody out there who's scared, just go home. So Gideon, this, is, this really happened, you can read it in the Bible. Gideon turns around, he counts to 10, and when he was done, 20,000 of the Israelite men had disappeared. So, now it's 10,000 versus 100,000. 100 to 1 odds. No, 10 to 1 odds. Those are still really bad. But maybe you could get away with it. And God says, um, Gideon, come here in a second. Gideon's like, seriously? Gideon goes over to talk to God. God says, you know what? That's still too many guys. This is my battle, and we're going to show anyone who's watching for thousands of years, as it turns out, that I am the one that you should trust. So Gideon goes back says, okay, guys, let's go down to the river and take a drink. It's all part of God's plan. So they all went down and they took a drink. And all of the Israelite men who laid down and put their faces in the water to get a drink were sent home. And the ones who knelt by the river and cupped their hands and brought their hands to their mouth got to stay. And the number of men who cupped their hands in the water was 300. So, started out the day, 30,000. Now we are down to 300 guys 
to go against 100,000 men. And God says, that's about right, good. So now, okay, what's the battle strategy? If I'm in charge and I have 300 guys to go against 100,000, I would want all the weapons in the world. I'd want swords and spears and Nerf guns and grenades and just like anything. God says, no, this is my battle, so we're gonna do this a weird way, but you have to trust me. Here's what I want you to give all your guys. I want you to give them all a trumpet and a pot and a lamp to put in the pot. Please note, none of these things are weapons. There's no swords, there's no bazookas, a trumpet, I mean, you can blow the trumpet in somebody's ear, maybe scare them, you can break the pot over their head, but these guys are going into battle against a bajillion guys and they have no weapons. Gideon says, all right, 300 that are left, here's the plan, it's gonna sound crazy, but it's God's plan and I think we can trust him. I will give you these three things. So we'll circle the Midianite camp at night, put the lamp in the pot, don't light it until it's in the pot, put the lamp in the pot, and take your trumpet. When I give the signal, break the pot so that the light shines and blow your trumpet. And the guy said, okay, then what? And Gideon said, I don't know what happens then. That's all God has told me. That's the battle plan. And it's the craziest battle plan just about in all of history. So the night came and Gideon and his men surrounded the Midianites and they had their pots and they had their lamps, they had their trumpets. And Gideon gave the signal and the Bible doesn't say what the signal was. But I'd like to think it was something like, now! And the Israelite men, all 300 of them, broke their pots so that their lights shone. They blew their trumpets and they shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon! And the Midianite army freaked out. They lost their minds. They ran around and they stabbed each other in the darkness, in the confusion, and the few that were left fled into the wilderness. These 300 guys that were left were basically committing suicide. They were going to die as soon as they shone those lights and made noise. They were saying, come get me. But God said, this is my battle, and he took the Midianite army. There was no battle. These 300 guys... There was no battle to fight. So what does this have to do with you today? Well, I will tell you. God, it's thousands of years since that battle. That night was a long time ago. But God still has an adventure. And he still needs Israelites. And now the church, he needs us in his army. Could he do it without us? Sure, but he doesn't want to. He wants to include us. And you have a chance today and every day to join God's league of heroes because he needs ordinary people. Gideon, like he said, was the least in his family. You, if we lined your small group up against a wall, you might be the shortest. If your small group was tasked with doing some math problems, you might be the slowest to finish. If we went outside to play baseball, you might be the last pick for your team. When I was your age, I was all three of those, because I'm very, ordi <clears throat> very ordinary. But God has an adventure for me every day and he has an adventure for you if you will make the choice to join him our scripture verse for the day is going up on screen right now romans 8 31 if god is for us who could be against us it doesn't matter if the odds are a thousand to one or a million to one if you are on god's team that is the winning side you can trust me and you can trust gideon if god be for us who can be against us let me pray 
Father, I thank you for the chance to tell your stories and to be a part of the story that you're telling right now. I thank you so much for every beating heart in this room. Help us love each other and understand how much you love us and be a blessing to you today. In Jesus' name. And I'm pleased with how that went. I, I, it's not stand-up comedy or even improv comedy to share on this supposedly comedy podcast, but uh, a few funny moments that uh, didn't play quite as well with the kids as I wanted, but they were listening. And, and that's uh, any stage performance, you, you want to keep the audience. And the, I kept the audience, and I'm thankful for that. And I was also really proud of my group. Uh, and in the beginning, you may have noticed, I went, Wild Whirlwinds! And there was this, whoa, from the audience. That was my small group, who I had trained by then to go, woo, whatever I said, Wild Whirlwinds. And I really didn't know if they'd do it when I was up on stage in front of everybody. And they did, and so I didn't have to feel stupid. Um, and so it was it was a lot of fun. Um, I love working with kids. I love uh, playing two kids from stage. Uh, and uh, And I love that story, as you could tell if you listened for the last 10 minutes. Uh, as far as VBS itself, uh, the small group, uh, I mean, yeah, the, the small group leading, it was, it was pretty good. Um, some challenges, the, there were two boys, of course, fifth and sixth graders. All the girls I had, I think eight of the 16 were girls. No, it was, it was imbalanced. Maybe it was 10 of 16 were girls. Girls were great. I did not have a problem with girls. Slight bit of, okay, guys, you, you know, settle down. You're talking a little too much. That was like it. The boys, on the other hand, there were two of them in particular, and one of them, my my small group assistant, was his mother. And the first day especially, I had to keep metaphorically slapping him down, and he challenged me and challenged me and challenged me, and I'd say, please stop talking, and he'd start talking. I'd say, please put that down, he'd pick it up, and every time I turned around, and his mom is right there, and she never once said, hey, don't do that, or I wouldn't do it that way, or, or anything like that. I felt like I wasn't getting a lot of help from her, but she at least didn't uh, stymie me. And uh, we talked about it briefly Tuesday morning. She's like, no, you're, you're doing great. He can be a handful. And Anyway, um, this same small group assistant uh, was late three days out of four, um, almost an hour late three days out of four. So the first hour, three days out of four, I got to uh, be in the room with 15 uh fifth and sixth graders by myself and like if there had been an emergency I don't know what we would have done but there was no emergency and uh, it was better to have an assistant than not have an assistant and so I do appreciate that she was there but hopefully if I do this again the assistant's or the, the child's mother will not be in the room because that's just a weird element not sure why that choice was made probably because you know there's only so many people to go around but it made things challenging um, <clears throat> one of the things I did that I don't know that I saw a lot of small group leaders do, and, and I'm not, you know, maybe maybe it's silly of me to do this. I don't think it is. Um, and if you're out there and you ever get a chance to be a small group leader at VBS or for improv theater camp or for anything that involves kids, jump in is what I want to encourage. Because, again, I didn't see a lot of leaders doing this, and there were times where I didn't really. Um, but for the most part, I really tried to. We, we go to the worship center, and there's dance music playing, and I would I was dancing. Um, you look like an idiot. I know I look like an idiot. I don't care. I care a little bit. But I don't care so much that I'd rather the kids see that, oh, hey, look, our leader isn't dancing, so I'm not going to get into this. I get into it because I'm, I'm leading. If I want them to follow, uh, so 
when it was dancing time at the worship center, I would dance. Um, when it was time to go to the bug cave, I don't know how many of the small group leaders actually got on their hands and knees and crawled through the bug cave opening through one door, whereas you could just walk into the other door. But I crawled in each time uh, because I'm leading and I want them to follow. And how can I lead? Uh, how can I expect them to follow places where I won't go? So that's just a challenge. If you're ever leading a small group, if you ever have kids that you want to encourage, Get out there, be crazy, be ridiculous, you know, make a fool of yourself. Um, the worst that happens is the kids say, well, I'm not doing that because it looks stupid, but far better chance, in my opinion, that they will jump in and try things themselves if they see you doing it. So the uh, day where, uh, Wednesday, where everybody could go down the water slide, I don't know how many leaders went down the water slide, but I sure did and was damp the rest of the day, much like the kids were, and I, I shared in the experience. That was what I... What I wanted to do was share it with them, be a part of this, jump in and show them, you know, that I'm not just hanging back and making sure that, you know, nobody hits anybody else. But meanwhile, you guys are on your own. No, I'm really in this with you. And I really feel like there's a respect there, that the kids see that. Well, of course the kids see that. They know. They're not stupid. They know how invested their leader is and... You know, when it came to small group time, we didn't have a lot of problems. Um, I would try to, you know, we're talking about fairly serious stuff. On Tuesday, we took a moment of silence for them to consider the the gospel message. And for 11 and 12-year-olds to be absolutely silent for three minutes, that is a long time for 11 to 12-year-olds. And they, they gave me that time. And I told them how proud of them I was. Um, and I think... I don't know, it sounds arrogant as I say it, but I I don't feel like it really is. I think I earned their trust. I think I earned their respect. I think they saw, hey, he's goofy, but he's into this, so maybe I can be into this. Um, You can't get anybody to follow if you're not willing to lead. That's all I'm saying. And let's see, two more stories, I think. Uh, There was a a bit of a moment yesterday. Um, one One of the ladies in my group quietly said, hey, could I talk to you about something when we have a moment, you know, just the two of us? And I was like, ah, what is she going to ask? Because I had told them, any question is okay, you can talk to me about anything. But I was braced for, you know, oh, my daddy hits my mommy sometimes, or, or my uncle steals from my mom's wallet, I don't know, something like that. And I was I was ready, <clears throat> and I knew there was infrastructure in place, but it was a question that was over my head. There was somebody I knew we could go talk to. And the question was about She's like, I I read my Bible almost every day, and I pray, and I don't hear from God. And that, oh, what a question to hear, and and how wonderful that she would ask. And that was one that I could field. And and we talked about, you know, that there have been times in in almost 40 years of connection with God, of relationship with God, there have been plenty of times where I haven't heard a thing, and I've felt alone. And doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you, I told her. And doesn't mean there's anything wrong with your relationship or that God is mad at you. And encouraged her that uh, going back to the Bible is probably the best way to connect. But that, you know, sometimes God's pretty quiet. Sometimes he's even silent. And that doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. And it was nice to get a question that I could field. <laughs> and just to, that she would trust me enough to ask the question. I'm thankful. Again, I, I feel like I earned it. Um, I respected them. And for the most part, they respected me back. And uh, hopefully I didn't come down too hard, even on uh, the two boys that, that kept 
challenging my authority. And, and even when they're challenging my authority, they, they're pu they were pushing back, they were trying to figure out the boundaries, but they were good kids, and, uh, and we had a good week. And uh, the purpose of this podcast is to talk about comedy in some form. Well, we did have some improv games. Um, I was all warmed up, well, certainly by Tuesday, because Monday night I had two and a half hours, wonderful, wonderful hours of improv rehearsal with the third kind Group A that uh, I'm part of as we're, we're newbies learning the games and we'll get to be part of Group B and be on stage here. Well, there's a show mid-July, the possible show, that unfortunately I'm going to be out of town when it happens, but by August uh, there's every expectation that we'll be on stage every couple of weeks at the Mercury Cafe. And uh, yeah, Monday we got to work a bunch of, uh, bunch of relationship scenes, and at one point I was the captain of a submarine and my first mate was a werewolf, and... Uh, I got to be in a romantic relationship with several people in the several different games. And, uh, it's, a, it's a ton of fun. Um, this is a challenging, stretching sort of group for me because ideally, if I had my druthers, I would have picked a whose line is it anyway short form type group because that's that plays to my strengths. I'm fast, uh, very quick-witted, and can come up with something right off the bat. And there are times with Third Kind where that is useful. But third kind also the scenes go a little longer and there's more of an emphasis is my understanding and I'm sure that's going to be borne out in the next couple of weeks more of an emphasis on characters and relationships in the scenes um, uh, our leader on Monday night who was, who was training us in the games kept reminding us and very gently but kept hitting you know make name each other so that you know who the other person is what relationship do you have even if it's you know, a captain and a first mate, well, you guys have worked together for ages. Or, hey, I'm going to train you in this new thing. You guys went to school together or something. That there is a relationship here. It's not two strangers in the scene. Because the scenes, they get a lot deeper. They have a lot more subtext. They're more interesting to watch if there's a relationship. And characters and relationships, that's a struggle for me. Um, I don't know why. Once I, you know, let myself go and get into it, it's it works just fine. But I always seem to... Uh, be nervous going into it that this time around, oh, I'm just going to freeze. I'm not going to know. I'm going to get in my head. And uh, what that does is put a person in their head, so that's not good. But this is great practice. It's good for me. I keep reminding myself that I can do this, that uh, that I was chosen, and not everyone who auditioned was. I was, and that uh, that I have what it takes to do this. So that's third kind. And so being warmed up, having done some improv in the last couple of weeks, I... Uh, well, I'll back up. They, the VBS, the powers that be at Waterstone who put VBS together did an excellent, excellent job. And, and if anything I've said you know, disparages the VBS experience, please, it was a wonderful week. Obviously, a ton of work had gone into this. Uh, somebody said they get started around January, probably at the end of, you know, once Christmas is behind them, then they start looking towards VBS. So it's been six months getting this put together. January, February, March, April, May, June. Five months and a half of getting this put together. And yet still, we were filming videos last Friday. Anyway, um, and a lot of work went into it. It was very, very well put together. And they, the resources were there. As a small group leader, I had, I had all the tools that I needed, and everybody had the same set of tools, and I'm, I'm pretty sure. And... Uh, just the, the event, uh, events, activities, small group activities that might work for second grade might not be so great for sixth grade. And so 
there was one activity where we were encouraged as small group leaders to get a lollipop for everybody and have them cut out this little cape and punch holes that would the stick would go through so that the lollipop would have a cape and have a mask and second graders probably thought a lollipop mask and cape was great i didn't even try it with fifth and sixth grade and i'm curious as to whether other sixth grade leaders just kind of you know did whatever they were told and you know made the lollipop masks or if they were like me and called audibles on occasion. We still went over the same material. We talked about Gideon. We talked about Esther. We talked about creation. We talked about Jesus. But we didn't make lollipop masks, and we didn't color uh, crosses. and uh, Nothing against those things. But after seven-plus years working with fifth- and sixth graders um, and with a lot of improv training, I feel comfortable and confident to say, yeah, I see that's what they want us to do, and it's a, it's an option, but we're going to try doing something else and see if this works. And so we played some improv games. Um, the first day, Monday, was about creation, and without even thinking real hard, I was like, I know an improv game that I think would work pretty well, and if you are a longtime fan of this podcast, you might have guessed that I'm about to say, this is not a stick. Well, I couldn't find a stick, so I found a book. We played this is not a book. And for those that don't know, it's a game that I created, although I do not claim that I'm the only person that's ever come up with this idea. I did come up with it. You gather your improvers together, and one person stands up, and they have an object. It doesn't matter what object it is, so long as it is a recognizable object, and probably one that's not very complicated. So as long as it's a simple object, a book, a stick, a ball. And you say, this is not a stick, or book, or ball, whatever it is. And those that are gathered around say, what is it? And you say, it is, and it can be anything in all of creation except what it is. So we were playing This Is Not a Book, and it was not a book. It was a telescope. It was a tree. It was a Batmobile. It was the country of Bolivia. It was dignity. I mean, you can come up with anything, anything that's not what the object actually is. And it actually can be a fairly difficult game because when you're holding a book in your hand to say, this is, you know, Abraham Lincoln, it, your mind is telling you, this is a book, what you've got. And uh, we called out one kid who said, it's a dictionary. It's like, that is basically a book. Try again. Um, but the idea was God created everything and to get them thinking about just what a big concept everything is. And they seemed to enjoy the game. And enjoyment is, it was secondary, but also very important. Then on Tuesday, we played, it wasn't Improv Story, that was yesterday's game. And Wednesday, we just didn't have time, it was a packed day. What did we play Tuesday? Oh, Tuesday, we used our imaginations. Um, Basically, charades without the cheesy connotation. I mean, charades, you're picking a card and doing what the card tells you. With imagination, you get to come up with the activity and you act out that activity, and when a person can tell what you're doing, they raise their hand, which we had some trouble with. Um, There were some things that were shouted out without the hand being raised, but you raise your hand and you say, it's this, and if you're right, then you get to do an activity, and the kids enjoyed that too, and it's it's a great improv game about object work, about using the space, you know, that I don't have to have, on the first thing that I did, and they picked up on it right away, I was very proud of them, was change a baby's diaper which I have lots of practice with, and I don't have to have Isaac in my arms or, you know, in the room to act out, this is what I do when I change a diaper. And uh, then I had, later I had a lightsaber battle, and they picked up on that right away. And just the mind will fill in the blanks. And it's fun as an improver 
that's one of the things that's great about improv. And I'm really glad to be back to I don't know if you can tell. I'm very excited that I successfully auditioned for the Third Kind team. Really, really glad to be back doing improv. One of the exciting things is that anything can happen and anything can take place. And so, you know, just just Monday alone, I was on a terrace in Italy and I was underwater in a submarine and I was in a church confessional and I was in a reggae band briefly. And, and you know, all of that took place in our imaginations and in the room where we acted out what our imaginations were telling us. And anything can happen, and that can be very, very fun. It can be intimidating, too, but if you let yourself go and get into the moment, it's a lot of fun. And then, like I say, Wednesday, a little too busy. We never got to... I think they played telephone a couple times while we were waiting for parents, but didn't actually get to do any games. Yesterday, we played Improv Story. And again, I was very proud of the kids. I, I started it out, but then for the second story, one of the kids was like, oh, let me... And uh, she led the story that we had. But the way improv story works is I will tar- start telling a story, and at various points, I stop, and I point at one of the children, and get them... It's kind of like Mad Libs. Get them to tell me the next... You know, so I... You know, uh, in this cave, 15, and, 15 years and three days ago, there was a cave, and in that cave lived a tiger, tiger, and this tiger was very, very old. He was 60, 60 years old, and he hadn't had his hair cut in 20, 20 years, so his hair was getting very long, and so my story ended up being about Bob the tiger, and Joey the hippo, and (laughs) unicorns the unicorn, a very imaginative name, um, and their quest to get uh, Bob's hair cut, and then one of the girls was like, oh, let me, let me, and she took over leading the story, and much the same thing happened. I don't remember what her story was about, but the game is about yes and, that when I point to you and you say, gorilla, 30, Mars, whatever you come up with is correct. The storyteller, it's it, it's a dangerous thing. It's I won't say dangerous. It's a challenging thing. Because sometimes the person comes up with something that totally works for the story. Their favorite color, they got their favorite kind of ice cream, which was pistachio, pistachio ice cream. Sometimes they, they do things that work for the story, but anything goes. So, and they got their favorite kind of ice cream, which was Bolivia. Bolivia is a new flavor of ice cream that the people of Bolivia, you know, you just have to roll with it and take whatever is offered and make it work. And it's about yes ending. And, uh, not an easy skill, and I was very proud of the girl that stepped forward and, and uh, led that story, and it was too bad we didn't get more time for more kids to try it out. But it was a good week, and that's the point of this podcast, is to talk about when I have a good week. I don't think we're going to get to any chapters of The Kid today. I think uh, the VBS stories are sufficient. But you got to hear me do Gideon. And uh, you got to hear a little bit about improv, and Lord knows there's more stories from improv coming, I am certain. And uh, if you're in the Colorado area, I will keep you up to date as far as this podcast on when performances are. But it's good to get back into improv. It's good to have VBS behind me, and it's also good to have a crazy busy weekend of nine dance recitals and the 19 straight hours on Saturday behind me. Uh, I've got a show tonight and four tomorrow, three of which I'm filming, but then that's it. And two weeks from now, when I record a podcast again, it'll be easy times. It'll be, oh, what busy season? Busy season's over. I can talk for hours, and I very well might. So we'll look forward to that. And in the meantime, 
you know what's coming. Own your stage, whatever stage that happens to be. All right? Promise? Great. I'll see you back here in a fortnight.